Chapter Twelve of Ten Days That Shook the World by John Reed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Simirator. Ten Days That Shook the World by John Reed. Chapter Twelve: The Peasants' Congress. It was on November eighteenth that the snow came. In the morning, we woke to window ledges heaped white and snowflakes falling so whirling thick that it was impossible to see ten feet ahead the mud was gone in a twinkling the gloomy city became white dazzling the droshki with their padded coachmen turned into slides bounding along the uneven street at headlong speed their drivers beard stiff and frozen in spite of revolution all russia plunging dizzily into the unknown and terrible future joy swept the city with the coming of the snow everybody was smiling people ran into the streets holding out their arms to the soft, falling flakes laughing. Hidden was all the grayness, only the gold and the colored spires and cupolas with heightened barbaric splendor gleamed through the white snow. Even the sun came out, pale and watery at noon. The colds and rheumatism of the rainy months vanished. The life of the city grew gay, and the very revolution ran swifter. I sat one evening in a tractor, a kind of a lower class in cross the street from the gates of Molney, a low-ceilinged, loud place called Uncle Tom's Cabin, much frequented by red cards. They crowded it now, packed close around the little tables with their dirty tablecloths and enormous china teapots, filling the place with foul cigarette smoke, while the harassed waiters ran about crying, such as, such as, in a minute right away in one corner sat a man in the uniform of a captain addressing the assembly which interrupted him at very few words you are no better than murderers he cried shooting down your russian brothers on the streets when did we do that asked a worker last sunday you did it when the youngers well didn't they shoot us one man exhibited his arm in a sling haven't i got something to remember them by the devils the captain shouted at the top of his voice, You should remain neutral, you should remain neutral. Who are you to destroy the legal government? Who is Lenin, a German? Who are you, a counter-revolutionist, a provocator? They beloved at him. Well, when he could make himself hear, the captain stood up. All right, said he. You call yourselves the people of Russia, but you are not the people of Russia. The peasants are the people of Russia. Wait until the peasants. Yes, they cried. Wait until the peasants speak. We know what the peasants will say. Aren't they working men like ourselves? In the long run, everything depended upon the peasants. While the peasants had been politically backward, still they had their own peculiar ideas and they constituted more than 80% of the people of Russia. The Bolsheviki had a comparatively small following among the peasants, and the permanent dictatorship of Russia by the industrial workers was impossible. The traditional peasant party was a socialist revolutionary party of all the parties now supporting the Soviet government. The left socialist revolutionaries were the logical inheritors of peasant leadership and the left socialist revolutionaries, who were at the mercy of the organized city proletariat desperately needed the backing of the peasants. 
Meanwhile, Molnay had not neglected the peasants. After the land decree, one of the first actions of the new Seike had been to call a congress of peasants over the head of the executive committee of the peasants' Soviets. A few days later was issued detailed regulations for the Volost township land committees followed by Lenin's instruction to peasants. See Appendix 12, Section 1, which explained the Bolshevik Revolution and the new government in simple terms. And on November 16th, Lenin and Milutin published the instructions to provincial emissaries, of whom thousands were sent by the Soviet government into the villages. Upon his arrival in the province to which he is accredited, the emissary should call a joint meeting of the Central Executive Committee of the Soviets of workers, soldiers, peasants, deputies to whom he should make a report on the agrarian laws and then demand that a joint plenary session of the Soviets be summoned. He must study the aspects of the agrarian problem in the province. Has the landowner's property been taken over and if so, in what districts? Who administers the confiscated land, the former proprietor or the land committees? What has been done with the agricultural machinery and with the farm animals? Has the ground cultivated by the peasants been augmented? How much and in what respect does the amount of land now under cultivation differ from the amount fixed by the government as an average minimum? The emissary must insist that after the peasants have received the land, it is imperative that they increase the amount of cultivated land as quickly as possible and that they hasten the sending of grain to the cities as the only means of avoiding famine. What are the measures projected or put into effect for the transfer of land from the landowners to the land committees and similar bodies appointed by the Soviets? It is desirable that agricultural properties well appointed and well organized should be administered by Soviets composed of the regular employees of those properties under the direction of competent agricultural scientists. All through the villages a ferment of change was going on caused not only by the electrifying action of the land decree but also by thousands of revolutionary minded peasant soldiers returning from the front. This man especially welcomed the call to a congress of peasants. Like the old Seike in the matter of the Second Congress of Workers and Soldiers Soviets, the Executive Committee tried to prevent the Peasant Congress summoned by Molnay, and like the old Seike finding its resistance futile, the Executive Committee sent frantic telegrams ordering the election of conservative delegates. Word was even spread among the peasants that the Congress would meet at Molkilev and some delegates went there, but by November 23rd, about 400 had gathered in Petrograd and the party Caucasus had begun. The first session took place in Alexander Hall of the Duma building and the first vote showed that more than half of all the delegates were left socialist revolutionaries, while the Bolsheviki controlled a bare fifth, the conservative socialist revolutionaries, a quarter and all the rest were united only in their opposition to the old executive committee dominated by Alexandr Tchaikovsky and Pishevsknow. The great hall was jammed with people and shaken with continual clamor. Deep stubborn bitterness divided the delegates into angry groups. To the right was a sprinkling of officers, epaulettes and the patriarchal 
bearded faces of the older more substantial peasants in the center were a few peasants non-commissioned officers and some soldiers and on the left almost all the delegates wore the uniforms of common soldiers this last were the young generation who had been serving in the army the galleries were thronged with workers who in russia still remember their peasant origin unlike the old seike the executive committee in opening the session did not recognize the congress as official the official congress was called for december thirteenth amid a hurricane of applause and angry cries the speaker declared that this gathering was merely extraordinary conference but the extraordinary conference soon showed its attitude toward the executive committee by electing as presiding officer maria spiridonova leader of the left socialist revolution arise most of the first day was taken up by a violent debate as to whether the representatives of volost soviets should be seated or only delegates from the provincial bodies and just as if the workers of soldiers congress in overwhelming majority declared in favor of the widest possible representation whereupon the old executive committee left the hall almost immediately it was evident that most of the delegates were hostile to the government of the people's commissioners Genovieve attempting to speak the Bolsheviki was hooted down, and as he left the platform, amid laughter, there were cries. There how a people commissioner sits in mud puddle. We left socialist revolutionaries refuse, cried Nazarev, a delegate from the provinces to recognize this called workers and peasants government until the peasants are represented in it. At present it is nothing but a dictatorship of the workers. We insist upon the formation of a new government, which will represent the entire democracy. The reactionary delegates shrewdly fostered its feeling, declaring in the face of protest from the Bolshevik benches that the Council of People's Commissioners intended either to control the Congress or dissolve it by force of arms, an announcement which was received by the peasants with burst of fury. On the third day, Lenin suddenly mounted the tribune. For ten minutes the room went mad. Down with him they shrieked. We will not listen to any of your people's commissioners. We don't recognize your government. Lenin stood there quite calmly, gripping the desk with both hands, his little eyes thoughtfully surveying the tumult beneath. Finally, except for the right side of the hall, the demonstration wore itself out somewhat. I do not come here as a member of the Council of People's Commissioners, said Lenin, and waited again for the noise to subside. But as a member of the Bolshevik faction, Dulai elected to its Congress, and he held his credentials up to that all might see them. However, he went on, in an unmoved voice, Nobody will deny that the present government of Russia has been formed by the Bolshevik party. He had to wait a moment, so that for all purposes it is the same thing here the right benches broke into deafening clamor but the center and left were curious and compelled silence lenin's argument was simple tell me frankly you peasants to whom we have given the lands of the pomishkitiki do you want now to present the workers from getting control of industry this is class war the pomishkitiki of course oppose the peasants and the manufacturers oppose the workers are you going to allow the ranks of the proletarian to be divided? 
which side will you be on we the bolsheviki are the party of the proletarian of the peasant proletarian as well as the industrial proletarian we the bolsheviki are the protectors of the soviets of the peasants soviets as well as those of the workers and the soldiers the present government is a government of soviets we have not only invited the peasants soviets to join that government but we have also invited representatives of the left socialist revolutionaries to enter the council of people's commissars the soviets are the most perfect representatives of the people of the workers in the factories and mines of the workers in the fields anybody who attempts to destroy the soviets is guilty of an anti-democratic and counter-revolutionary act and i serve notice here on you comrades right socialist revolutionaries and on you messers carrots said if the constituent assembly attempts to destroy the soviets we shall not permit the constituent assembly to do this thing on the afternoon of november twenty fifth trekanov arrived in the hot haste from mogilev summoned by the executive committee only two months before considered an extreme revolutionist and very popular with the peasants he was now called to check the dangerous drift of the congress towards the left upon his arrival Tekrana was arrested and taken to molnai where after a short conversation he was released his first act was to bitterly rebuke the executive committee for leaving the congress they agreed to return and Tekrana entered the hall welcomed with great applause by the majority and the hoots and jeers of the bolsheviki comrades i have been away i participated in the conference of the twelfth army on the question of calling a congress of all the peasant delegates of the armies of the western front and i know very little about the insurrection which occurred here zinoviev rose in his seat and shouted yes you were away for a few minutes fearful tumult cries down with the bolsheviki tekranov continued the accusation that i have led an army of petrograd has no foundation and is entirely false where does such an accusation come from show me the source zinoviev isivetia and dielo naroda your own paper that's where it comes from tekranov's wide face with the small eyes waving hair and grayish beard became red with wrath but he controlled himself and went on i repeat i know practically nothing about what has happened here and i did not lead any army except this army he pointed to the peasant delegates which i am largely responsible for bringing here laughter and shouts of bravo upon my return i visited smolny no such accusation was made against me there after a brief conversation i left and that's all let anyone present make such an accusation an uproar followed in which the bolsheviki and some of the left socialist revolutionaries were on their feet at once shaking their fists and yelling and the rest of the assembly tried to yell them down this is an outrage not a session cried tekranov and he left the hall the meeting was adjourned because of the noise and disorder meanwhile the question of the status of the executive committee was agitating all minds by declaring the assembly extraordinary conference it had been planned to block the re-election of the executive committee but this worked both ways the left socialist revolutionist decided that if the congress had no power over the executive committee then the executive committee had no power over the congress on november twenty fifth 
the assembly resolved that the powers of the executive committee be assumed by the extraordinary conference in which only members of the executive who had been elected as delegates might vote the next day in spite of the bitter opposition of the bolsheviki the revolution was amended to give all the members of the executive committee whether elected as delegates or not voice and vote in the assembly on the twenty seventh occurred the debate on the land question which revealed the differences between the agrarian program of the bolsheviki and the left socialist revolutionaries kolchinsky for the left socialist revolutionaries outlined the history of the land question during the revolution the first congress of the peasants soviets he said had voted a precise and formal revolution in favor of putting the landed estates immediately into the hands of the lands committee but the directors of the revolution and the burghers in the government had insisted that the question could not be solved until the constituent assembly met the second period of the revolution the period of compromise was signalled by the entrance of Chekhanov into the cabinet the peasants were convinced that now the practical solution of the land question would begin but in spite of the imperative decision of the first peasant congress the reactionaries and conciliators in the executive committee had prevented any action this policy provoked a series of agrarian disorders which appeared as a natural expression of impatience and thwarted energy on the part of the peasants the peasants understood the exact meaning of the revolution they tried to turn words into action the recent events said the orator do not indicate a simple riot or a bolshevik adventure but on the contrary a real popular rising which has been greeted with sympathy by the whole country the bolshevik in the general took the correct attitude toward the land question but in recommending that the peasants seize the land by force they committed a profound error from the first days the bolsheviki declared that the peasants should take over the land by revolutionary mass action this is nothing but anarchy the land can be taken over in an organized manner for the bolsheviki it was important that the problems of the revolution should be solved in the quickest possible manner but the bolsheviki were not interested in how these problems were to be solved the land decree of the congress of soviets is identical in its fundamentals with the decisions of the first peasants congress when then did not the new government follow the tactics outlined by the congress because the council of people's commissioners wanted to hasten the settlement of the land question so that the constituent assembly would have nothing to do but also the government saw that it was necessary to adopt the practical measures so without further reflection it adopted the regulations for land committees thus creating a strange situation for the council of people's commissioners abolished private property in land but the regulations drawn up by the land committees are based on private property however no harm has been done by that for the land committees are paying no attention to the soviet decrees but are putting into operation their own practical decisions decisions based on the will of the vast majority of the peasants these land committees are not adapting the legislative solution of the land question which belongs to the constituent assembly alone but will the constituent assembly desire to do the will of the russian peasants of that we cannot be sure all we can be sure of is that the revolutionary determination of the peasants is now aroused 
and that the constituent will be forced to settle the land question the way the peasants want it settled the constituent assembly will not dare to break with the will of the people followed him lenin listen to now with absorbing intensity at this moment we are not only trying to solve the land question but the question of social revolution not only here in russia but all over the world the land question cannot be solved independently of the other problems of the social revolution for example the confiscation of the landed estates will provoke the resistance not only of russian landowners but also of foreign capital with whom the great landed properties are connected through the intermediary of the banks the ownership of the land in russia is the basis for immense operation and the confiscation of the land by the peasants is the most important step of our revolution but it cannot be separated from the other steps and is clearly manifested by the stages through which the revolution has had to pass the first stage was the crushing of autocracy and the crushing of the power of the industrial capitalist and the landowners whose interests are closely related the second stage was the strengthening of the soviets and the political compromise with the burgeois the mystic of the left socialist revolutionaries lies in the fact that at that time they did not oppose the policy of compromise because they held the theory that the consciousness of the masses was not yet fully developed if socialism can only be realized when the intellectual development of all the people permits it then we shall not see socialism for at least 500 years the socialist political party this is the vanguard of the working class it must not allow itself to be halted by the lack of education of the mass average but it must let the masses using the soviets as organs of revolutionary initiative but in order to lead the wavering the comrades left socialist revolutionaries themselves must stop hesitating in july last a series of open breaks began between the popular masses and the compromisers but now in november the left socialist revolutionaries are still holding out their hand to evkentive who is pulling the people with his little finger if compromise continues the revolution disappears no compromise with the bourgeoisie is possible its power must be absolutely crushed we bolsheviki have not changed our land program we have not given up the abolition of private property in the land and we do not intend to do so we adopted the regulations for land committees which are not based on private property at all because we want to accomplish the popular will in the way the people have themselves decided to do it so as to draw closer to the coalition of all the elements who are fighting for the social revolution we invite the left socialist revolutionaries to enter that coalition insisting however that this is looking backward and that they break with the conciliators of their party as far as the constituent assembly is concerned it is true as the preceding speaker has said that the work of the constituent will depend on the revolutionary determination of the masses i say count on that revolutionary determination but don't forget your gun lenin then read the bolshevik resolution the peasants congress fully supporting the land decree of november eighth approves the provincial workers and peasants government of the russian republic established by the second all-russian congress of soviets of workers and soldiers deputies the peasants congress invites 
all peasants anonymously to sustain that law and to apply it immediately themselves and at the same time invites the peasants to appoint to posts and positions of responsibility only persons who have proved not by words but by acts their entire devotion to the interest of the exploited peasant workers their desire and their ability to defend this interest against all resistance on the part of the great landowners the capitalists their partitions and accomplices the peasants congress at the same time expressed its conviction that the complete realization all the measures which make up the land decree can only be successful to the triumph of the workers social revolution which began november seventh nineteen seventeen for only the social revolution can accomplish the definite transfer without responsibility of return of the land to the peasant workers the confiscation of model farms and their surrender to the peasant communes the confiscation of agricultural machinery belonging to the great landowners the safeguarding of the interest of the agricultural workers by the complete abolition of wage slavery the regular and methodical distribution among all regions of russia of the products of agricultural industry and the seizure of the banks without which the possession of the land by the whole people would be impossible after the abolition of private property and all sorts of assistance by the states to the workers for these reasons the peasants congress sustains entirely the revolution of november seventh as a social revolution and expresses its unalterable will to put into operation with whatever modifications are necessary but without any hesitation the social transformation of the russian republic the indispensable conditions of the victory of the social revolution which alone will secure the lasting success and the complete realization of the land decree is the close union of the peasant workers with the industrial working class with the protestant of all advanced countries from now on in the russian republic all the organization and the administration of the state from top to bottom must rest on that union that union crushing all attempts direct or indirect open or dissimulated to return to the policy of conciliation with the burgeoisy conciliation damned by experience with the chiefs of burgeoisy politics can only ensure the victory of socialism throughout the world the reactionaries of the executive committee no longer dared openly to appear tekernow however spoke several times with a modest and whining impartiality he was invited to sit on the platform on the second night of the congress an anonymous note was handed up to the chairman requesting that tekernow be made honorary president astinow read the note aloud and immediately Zinoviev was on his feet, screaming that this was a trick of the old executive committee to capture the convention in a moment. The hall was one billowing mass of waving arms and angry faces on both sides. Nevertheless, Tekhanov remained very popular. In the stormy debates on the land question and the Lenin resolution, the Bolsheviki were twice on the point of quitting the assembly both times restrained by their leaders it seemed to me as if the congress were hopelessly deadlocked but none of us knew that a series of secret conferences were already going on between the left socialist revolutionaries and the bolsheviki at molny at first the left socialist revolutionaries had demanded that there be a government composed of all the socialist parties in and out of soviets 
to be responsible to a people's council composed of an equal number of delegates from the workers soldiers organization and that of the peasants and completed by representatives of the city dumas and zemstrovs lenin and trotsky were to be eliminated and the military revolutionary committee and other repressive organs dissolved wednesday morning november 28th after a terrible all-night struggle an agreement was reached the seike composed of 108 members was to be augmented by 108 members elected proportionally from the peasants congress by 100 delegates elected directly from the army and the flat and by 50 representatives of the trade unions 35 from the general unions 10 railway workers and 5 from the post and telegraph workers the dumas and zemstrovs were dropped lenin and trotsky remained in the government and the military revolutionary committee continued to function the sessions of the congress had now been removed to the imperial law school building fontanka six headquarters of the peasants soviets there is a great meeting hall the delegates gathered on wednesday afternoon the old executive committee had withdrawn and was holding a rum convention of its own in another room of the same building made up of bolting delegates and representatives of the army committees tekerna went from one meeting to the other keeping a watchful eye on the proceedings he knew that an agreement with the bolsheviki was being discussed but he did not know that it had been concluded he spoke to the rum convention at present when everybody is in favor of forming an all socialist government many people forget the first ministry which was not a coalition government and in which there was only one socialist kerenskaya a government which in its time was very popular now people accuse kerenskaya they forget that he was raised to the power not only by the soviets but also by the popular masses why did public opinion change toward kerenskaya the savages set up courts to which they pray and which they punish if one of their prayers is not answered that is what is happening at this moment yesterday kerenskaya today lenin and trotsky another tomorrow we have proposed to both kerenskaya and the bolsheviki to retire from the power kerenskaya has accepted today he announced from his hiding place that he was resigned as premier but the bolsheviki wish to retain the power and they do not know how to use it if the bolsheviki succeeded or if they fail the fate of russia will not be changed the russian villages understand perfectly what they want and they are now carrying out their own measures the villages will save us in the end in the mill while in the great hall stinov had announced the agreement between the peasants congress and molnay received by the delegates with the wildest joy suddenly chakranov appeared and demanded the floor i understand he began that an agreement is being concluded between the peasants congress and molnay such an agreement would be illegal seeing that the true congress of peasants soviets does not meet until next week moreover i want to warn you now that the bolsheviki will never accept your demands he was interrupted by a great burst of laughter and realizing the situation he left the platform and the room taking his popularity with him late in the afternoon of thursday november 16th the congress met in extraordinary session there was a holiday feeling in the air on every face was a smile 
the remainder of the business before the assembly was hurried through and the old Nathanson, the white-bearded dean of the left wing of the socialist revolutionaries, his voice trembling and tears in his eyes, read the report of the wedding of the peasants' Soviets with the workers' and soldiers' Soviets. At every mention of the word union, there was ecstatic applause. At the end, Astina announced the arrival rival of a delegation from Molnay, accompanied by representatives of the Red Army, greeted with a rising ovation. One after another, a workman, a soldier, and a sailor took the floor, hailing them. Then Boris Rinstein, delegate of the American Socialist Labour Party, the day of the Union of the Congress of Peasants and the Soviets of Workers and Soldiers' Deputies, is one of the great days of the revolution. The sound of it will ring with the resounding echoes throughout the whole world in Paris, in London, and across the ocean in New York. This union will fill with happiness the hearts of all toilers. A great idea has dreamed. The Western America expected from Russia, from the Russian proletariat, something tremendous. The proletariat of the world is waiting for the Russian Revolution, waiting for the great things that is accomplishing. Sverdalo, president of the Seike, greeted them, and with a shout, Long live the end of civil war! Long live the united democracy! The peasants poured out of the building. It was already dark, and on the ice-covered snow glittered the pale light of the moon and star. Along the bank of the canal were drawn up, in full marching order, the soldiers of the Pavelsky regiment with their band, which broke into the Massalier's Amid the crashing, full-throated shouts of the soldiers, the peasants formed in line, unfurling the great red banner of the executive committee of the all-Russian peasants' Soviets embroidered newly in gold, long lived the union of revolutionary and toiling masses, following were other banners of the district Soviets of Politlov factory, which read, We bow to this flag in order to create the brotherhood of all people. From somewhere, torches appeared, blazing orange in the night, a thousand times reflected in the facets of the ice, streaming out smokily over the strong as it moved down the bank of the Fontanka, sinking between crowds that stood in the astonished silence. Long live the revolutionary army, long live the Red Guard, long live the peasants. So the great procession would through the city, growing and unfurling ever new red, banners lettered in gold. Two old peasants, bored with toil, were walking hand in hand, their faces illumined with the childlike place. Well, said one, I had liked to see them take away our land again. Now, near Molnay, the red car was lined up on both the sides of the street, wild with delight. The other old peasant spoke to his comrade. I am not tired, he said. I walked on air all the way. On the steps of Molnay, about a hundred workers and soldiers' deputies were massed, with their banner dark against a blaze of light streaming out between the arches. Like a wave, they rushed down, clasping the peasants in their arms and kissing them, and the procession poured in through the great door and up the stairs with a noise like thunder. In the immense white meeting room, the Seike was waiting with the whole petrograd soviet and a thousand spectators beside with that solemnity which attends great conscious moments in history zinoviev announced the agreement with the peasants congress to a shaking roar which rose and burst into storm as the sound of music blared down the corridor 
and the head of the procession came in on the platform the presidium rose and made place for the peasant's presidium the two emperors sing behind them the two banners were intertwined against the white wall over the empty frame from which the sir's picture had been torn they opened the triumphal session after a few words of welcome from Verdlow, Maria Spiridonova, slight pale and spectacles, and hair drawn flatted down, and the air of a New England school teacher took the tribune, the most loved and the most powerful woman in all Russia. Before the workers of Russia open new horizons which history has never known, all workers' moments in the past have been defeated, but the present moment is international, and that is why it is invincible. There is no force in the world which can put out the fire of the revolution. The old world crumbles down and the new world begins. Then Strotsky, full of fire, I wish you welcome, comrades, peasants. You come here not as a guest but as a masters of this house which holds the heart of the Russian revolution. The will of millions of workers is now concentrated in the hall. There is now only one master of the Russian land, the union of the workers, soldiers and the peasants with biting sarcasm he went on to speak of the allied diplomats till then contemptuous of russia's invitation to an armistice which had been accepted by the central powers a new humanity will be born of this war in this hall we swear to workers of all lands to remain at our revolutionary post if we are broken then it will be in defending our flag it will be in defending our flag with biting sarcasm he went on to speak of the allied diplomats till then contemptuous of russia's invitation to an armistice which had been accepted by the central powers a new humanity will be born of this war in this hall we swear to workers of all lands to remain at our revolutionary post if we are broken then it will be in defending our flag rylenko followed him explaining the situation at the front where dukonin was preparing to resist the council of people's commissioners let dukonin and those with him understand well that we shall not deal gently with those who bar the road to peace bybenko saluted the assembly in the name of the fleet and krushinsky member of the Vizel said from this moment when the union of true socialists is realized the whole army of railway workers places itself absolutely at the disposition of the revolutionary democracy and lenin karskai almost weeping and prussian for the left socialist revolutionaries and finally sharashivili for the united social democrats internationalist composed of members of the martos and of korskai group who declared we left the tseike because the uncompromising policy of the bolsheviki and to force them to make concessions in order to realize the union of the revolutionary democracy now that the union is brought about we consider it is a sacred duty to take our places once more in seike we declare that all those who have withdrawn from the seike should now return sketchkow a dignified old peasant of the presidium of the peasants congress bowed to the four corners of the room i greet you with the christening of a new russian life and freedom Gronsky, in the name of the Polish Social Democracy, Skripnik for the factory shop committees, Tifonov for the Russian soldiers at Salonika, and others, interminably speaking out for full hearts with the happy eloquence of hopes fulfilled, 
it was late in the night when the following resolution was put and, and passed unanimously the seika united in extraordinary session with the petrograd soviet and the peasants congress confirms the land and peace decrees adopted by the second congress of soviets of workers and soldiers deputies and also the decree on workers control adopted by the seika the joint session of the seika and the peasants congress expresses its firm conviction that the union of workers soldiers and peasants this fraternal union of all the workers and all exploited with consolidate the power conquered by them that it will take all revolutionary measures to hasten the passing of the powers into the hands of the working class in other countries and that it will assure in this manner of the lasting accomplishment of a just peace and the victory of socialism see appendix eleven section two end of chapter twelve recording by simira thode